Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Thor Ragnarok. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast. On this podcast, it's pretty simple. We like to talk about games, but also movies. Um, Thor Ragnarok is the, like, most recent Marvel release, obviously. I'm sure if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, it did not surprise you that Thor Ragnarok came out last week. Uh, Mango and I both saw it, and we want to, uh, you know, share some uh, share some thoughts. Um, before we do a spoiler warning, do you have like an like a like an overhead? What's your overhead kind of spoiler free? Uh, Thor Ragnarok's enjoyable, um, and if you like Marvel movies, you'll like this one. This is probably my my one sentence review. I want to I want to take a moment to say that that is the perfect one sentence review. I think. Uh, and I echo its sentiments wholeheartedly. Um, so, yeah, I guess from here on out, spoilers, three, two, one, spoiler, spoilers. Uh, I'm actually surprised to hear you say, that if we, if we're, to hear you be so kind of blasé on it. Uh, like, I expected you to say something like, Thor Ragnarok is the best Marvel movie since, you know, whatever, I don't know. It's the best, Mar- like, <laughs> it's the best Marvel movie since Homecoming. i was i'm very interested i'm very interested by that i really i I remember walking out of the theater and i was kind of like yeah like you know like that you know it has a lot of the typical marvel things that bug me you know what i mean like the the i've talked about this before where like the the jokes come at the expense of the stakes of the situation which always bother me and i think that it had kind of like typical marvel movie villain problems and stuff like that it was just like such a stereotypical like marvel movie with all of like the pluses and minuses but i was like you know i bet mango fucking loved it like <laughs> so I, I i do think it was um a notch above your your baseline marvel movie um, the way I kind of expressed this previously is, is, is uh, it's if like someone took like a regular Marvel movie and the Guardians of the Galaxy and averaged them out. Um, I'm also a big fan of Taika Waititi, I believe his name is, the director. Uh, I really loved uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, I haven't seen Hunt for the Wilder People yet, but I'm, uh, I want to see that too. Um, and so I thought it was... Uh, I, I thought it was a cut above, but I didn't think it was particularly special. I didn't think it was better than Homecoming, uh, but I thought Homecoming was exceptionally good. Um, Interesting. See, I didn't think it was better than Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, but I thought it was better than Homecoming. Okay. But that's uh, also just because I'm, I was a little bit, like, I, I don't want, I'm not trying to say that, Mar- that Homecoming is, like, the worst Marvel movie that came out this year. It just kind of is, like, a hair below this one. Yeah, uh, I, I feel that. Um, I think similar like i thought homecoming was very good i think this is worse than that but i don't think it's ter- like you know I, I i see where you're coming from and i, I understand that perspective really, i'm kind I mean, of in yeah, the same it is, family it is of a lot of a it is a lot of a coin flip you know and it's funny because homecoming does a lot of things that like typical marvel movies don't right like it's it spends a lot of time with its villain uh and uh you know and like so and like the vulture is really well developed and really cool and really interesting and stuff like that um, and for instance, it doesn't make a lot of the kind of like stakes ruining jokes. The jokes are a lot more kind of like, like, I think Dr. Strange also had very good humor where it was very like a product of these are characters, uh, in the environment sort of thing. Um, and so it, it kind of avoided those issues, but then kind of got its own issues. Like I'd like 
it is almost just kind of like basic filmmaking stuff like i don't think the action was shot as well as thor ragnarok's action was i think Ag ragnarok had better like cinematography and editing and stuff like that so uh that's that but, but but at the end of the day it is kind of a coin flip you know and i'm sure that i'll probably end up going back and forth about which one i think is yeah, yeah. um i feel that um yeah uh but are you surprised to see see so this is interesting because i because it's also one of the best reviewed marvel movies of all time uh, oh really yeah yeah i mean uh to let's 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 like rotten tomatoes it real quick and see um well while you're doing that i did want to give one side note um before we get into it this is about the the kind of pre-movie experience um i wanted to to give the channel because I thought this was, was particularly exceptional. I, I went to the AMC. I don't know if you know, but AMC sells a pretzel called the Bavarian Legend for $15. Okay. Um, and I decided I wanted to try this because I had seen it. I was like, I, I need to try this. It's a one and a half pound pretzel. Uh, it's a fucking monster. Um, okay. Holy uh, shit. Yeah, it's, it is it is enormous. Um, I picked the wrong time to, to buy it because we had to stand in line to wait to be seated. Uh, and so, you know, everybody could see my shame. Um, but it, it is, it is, it is enormous pretzel. Um, it's a pretty decent pretzel. It got cold a little too fast because, you know, you can't eat a pound and a half of a pretzel. Uh, it's probably a little bit too expensive for what it is, but, uh, it's a sight to behold. So, uh, I'd recommend it once for the spectacle. Just kind of wanted to mention that cause it's like, it comes with like a, a tub of, uh, of, uh, Tostitos cheese and a little thing of mustard. Both were pretty terrible. And the pretzel didn't have enough salt, but it was a pretty serviceable pretzel. So if you like soft pretzels, get one to share with your friends. Uh, wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, but yeah, uh, the pictures don't do it justice because they don't like have a thing for scale in it. But it's it's a monster. Um, but it, it was. Uh, but yeah, but that, that, that's about your AMC movie experience, not about Thor Ragnarok itself. Uh, but you were saying in terms of ratings. So it's actually about equal. Um, in fact, if you actually take a minute, um, uh, Thor Ragnarok is at a 93%, uh, which is less than I remember it being. It was like 98% for a while kind of thing. Um, so it's at a 98, uh, 93%, 7.5, you know, average critic rating. Um, and uh, Spider-Man Homecoming is at 92%, but a 76 uh, average critic rating. The real... Um, uh, uh, the the real uh, travesty um, is that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two was worse reviewed. It's at an eighty two percent with a seven point two average critical rating. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is one of the Marvel movies. It's like it's one of those Marvel movies that I saw in the theater. And I was like, okay, like that, you know, like that was that was pretty good. But the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I was like, well, actually, like this is a really deep and like layered movie in a way that I just didn't prepare myself like my opinion for uh guardians of the galaxy has shot up a lot i think in the past couple of months um yeah i mean I, I i think that's kind of what happens with ratings though like that i think on its face guardians wasn't didn't seem as good like i i liked it for for various reasons but like i i think that like movies that are kind of a slow burn like that just tend to have worse uh ratings because critics don't have the luxury of of letting that slow burn set in um, this is kind of, I think, how you get cult classic movies in the general sense. Uh, yeah, I also I also kind of wonder how much... Uh, like, I've talked about this this kind of interaction before 
um, in the in like the context of like Man of Steel and movies like that, where like there have been movies that I can think of where I I walk out of them and I'm like that was you know. And like you know, like that was pretty good sort of thing. But then I see it a second time. Age of Ultron is another good example of this. Um, and I see it a second time, and I was like, "Oh my god! Like this is so much better than I initially, I initially thought it was." Which is most like it's it's mostly a result of kind of like a little bit of like convoluted. Uh, like sometimes things are a little bit more complicated than I I I, I might expect. Um, and therefore what ends up happening is kind of like, it, 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 like seeing it the first time, seeing it the one time means that I now have a good baseline for seeing it the second time and everything kind of clicks into place a lot better. Um, so I don't know. I, I doubt that Thor Ragnarok will fall into that same, into that same category though. I only, I have only seen it the once. Yeah. I, I feel that. Um, yeah, uh, so, um, I want to get your thoughts on, uh, just some, so, some, some general stuff, uh, about Thor, were, were you, like, there, there was obviously some, some, like, kind of oblique references to other Thor stuff, like, there was the, there was the Throg reference, um, and there was the, uh, there's Beta Ray Bill's face on Ooh, the... I was wondering if you noticed that, yeah, yeah, I did see Beta Ray Bill's face. I'm actually kind of surprised that in a story like this, um, where they could have just had, uh... Uh, like a like a character like Beta Ray Bill, kind of you know, just like one of the fucking gladiators. Sort yeah, of thing, yeah. Uh, that he didn't even show up. That like he didn't even show up at all. Uh, but you know, I'm not gonna Beta Ray Bill's face on the tower is very cool. Um, are are you uh? So there's there's a theory going around that the ship that shows up at the end might not be that in, in the in the post credit sequence might not be Thanos' ship and might be uh, what is it, Scuttlebutt? Is that the right name? Uh, I don't know specifically, but maybe. Uh, yeah. Uh, I will say, I will say that the ship that shows up at the end is pretty much confirmed to be Sanctuary 2, which is Thanos' ship. I think that's okay. what it's called. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that was a theory that I saw someone throwing around that it was, be- that, like, Beta Ray Bill's sister or whatever that ship is. I don't, I'm not super deep on the Thor lore, so, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's also weird to do Beta Ray Bill because Mjolnir was destroyed and wasn't put back together. Right. This is actually one of the weird things about the movie that I thought was that I thought was kind of interesting is that typically in uh, uh, like 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 in Thor comics, like Mjolnir has been destroyed a couple of times uh, or you know cracked or broke. You know what I mean? Like it's been it's been fussed with. Um, but like those are stories about how Thor lost the hammer for a short period of time and then put it back together. Um, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, actually, th- this is something I kind of wanted. Now that you've mentioned that, this is something I kind of wanted to touch on, which is, um, I never really got kind of like like the movie kind of wanted to throw this kind of uh, this is is for this like without me, Holner, uh, uh, Thor is kind of like helpless and can't channel his powers properly, but he didn't really show it well enough, I don't think. Yeah, I think um, that was one of the failings. Uh, yeah, and they try to make this big reveal when he manages to kind of, like, crack out his Lord of Thunder stuff without it. Um, but it, it didn't feel it didn't feel built up too well and, and revealed well, which was kind of... Like, I got it. Once they showed him, like, doing the Lord of Thunder stuff, um, and I guess the flashbacks to... Or, like, the flashbacks to Norway 
and the script. Like I thought those scenes were, were interesting and neat, and they gave me like the feeling of a very much like a a very different movie than I expected from a Marvel movie, right? Like, right. Um, I think it's kind of where like I guess like uh, uh, Taika's Waititi's authorship kind of shown through, where specifically those kinds of moments. But it, it didn't it didn't build to the to the right point to really um, justify like like uh, the the, the well, I guess the release that that Thor like doing the thunder stuff without me Holner was supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, so in the comics, uh, in in the comics, actually, Thor's powers are all related to uh, is are are either baked into Mjolnir, which is kind of like the more thunder god stuff, um, or he also has this belt. Uh, that gives him like super strength and like invulnerability and stuff like that, um, but nobody ever remembers that stuff. Uh, so, but yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I, I had I had I had a couple of problems with with that line of thinking when it came to Thor stuff, uh, mostly because I think they felt like they needed to give Thor like an arc. Um, when they actually depressed Thor's arcness compared to the other Thor movies, um, which I think was a very good idea. Like, in, in in the context of the Avengers, and even in the context of his own book, Thor is less an agent of, like, change and, like, a protagonist in the traditional sense of, like, this is a character who changes. And a lot of the time, he is a character who surrounds himself with interesting other characters that change. And that's exactly what this movie did, right? In a lot of ways, this is kind of one of the most, like, Thor comics thing the movies have ever done. Um... Because, you know, you always have, like, the Warriors 3 uh, and, like, Volstagg. Um, uh, uh, they haven't even done uh, – God, I can't even remember what his name – Balder, um, you know, Heimdall, right? Like, like, he has an interesting kind of, like, cast of characters. And a lot of the time, Thor is a little bit like and, – and this is a weird way to put it – but he's a little bit like Winnie the Pooh, where he's, like, the central character, but he's also kind of – the least like quote-unquote interesting character right and most of the story is generated by his quirky cast of character friends almost um but in this one they kind of like that you know the the other the other thor marvel movies were like no thor has to be a traditional protagonist and have an arc okay that's fine right it didn't quite work out whatever but then you have um the uh uh but then you have Thor Ragnarok where it's like, oh, okay, well, like, now he's being surrounded by his, like, this this jovial, you know, quirky, quirky team of people. And they all have these different arcs and they're going through their arcs. But then Thor gets his own kind of arc because it's like, oh, well, without the hammer, you know. But he always wants, like, he doesn't change his goal at all, right? Like, he still wants to save Asgard. He doesn't seem to have any kind of doubts about um, his powers or his abilities, uh, when it comes to being able to save Asgard, uh, it's not like he's like I can't save Asgard because I don't have Mjolnir and I'm not powerful enough to de- defeat Hela. He's right. Kind of like I need to go find people to do this for me. Yeah, and you could still have the moments where he flashes back to to Odin, and yeah. that like gives him internal strength without the the kind of like external sign of like uh, assuming the form of the God of Thunder type. type yeah, I also feel. thought those flashbacks to Odin were a little bit lazy. Um, this is probably this might be I don't know that probably is the right answer. This is probably like the the results of kind of like reshoots and stuff like that. Like for instance, if you look in the first couple of trailers, you can see that the moment where Thor throws his hammer and Hela breaks it, uh, that's a that's a they're in a city, right? Um, but then all of a sudden now they're in like the the, the Norwegian you know they're, they're on the a fjords. Norwegian fjord, yeah. 
Um, and so, like, maybe those, you know, like, maybe those changes are more than just aesthetic, I guess. Um, but it just kind of felt like the, that Odin didn't quite earn his, like, I need to walk off into the sunset and die. Um, that just kind of felt contrived, I guess, to me. Yeah, he probably, it probably needed more run-up. Um, but, like, I think the specific, like, the specific shots of the flashback to, to Odin standing on the fjord, I think are cool enough and pretty enough and, I guess, like, filmic enough to warrant kind of an inclusion somewhere, but it, I, I would agree with you that it feels kind of, like, Yeah, I, like, for, for instance, I like the way that they came back later and you kind of had these, I, I call them Matrix shots. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The way you get them is you move the character, you sorry, you move the camera at the same time you zoom the, like, you zoom the camera lens so that the world kind of, like, whips around the person, but the person stays still because, like, the camera is zooming in on them at the right. same time that it's, like, moving out or whatever, you know, like, however you kind of make that work. Like, those moments where Thor gets his eye chopped out, and then he's like, woof, you know, and you see it kind of thing, and this is his big realization. From a filmmaking perspective, that's great. It just wasn't quite earned from a story perspective. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I, I get that. How um, much do you, uh, uh, so the, I think another reason that I, that Thor Ragnarok is being spoken of so highly um, is that it has these, um, kind of anti-colonialism, like post-colonial overtones about it. Uh, all of all of liberal all of liberal Twitter is very much like, oh my god, I can't believe they fucking did this in a Marvel movie, kind of thing. Uh, did you? How, how much? How much did you? Can, can you explain on, that? Can you explain that to me? Because I didn't pick up on that at all. So subtextually, this is all. This is all kind of subtext, and I I picked up on it in the theater, but I kind of thought it was more like a cute inclusion rather than like a full-fledged well whatever I'll, I'll explain in a second okay so uh asgard is all is you know is all golden and they're the best and they just want peace with the other realms odin is a benevolent dictator kind of whatever um but hella shows up and she she does that thing specifically with the fresco on the on the wall on right. the ceiling Feeling. where it's like no asgard was built on the foundation of conquest um, and then Odin kind of got cold feet about his conquest of other, you know, of, of the, the conquest of the other realms, right? The nine realms kind of thing. Um, and Hela's like, oh, well, we should just keep fucking being conquerors. We're not good enough, you know, like we're not good enough kind of conquerors. Um, and this has been uh, kind of related. And so, and so the idea is that, you know, so you have Taika Waititi, right? He's of Maori descent. Um and this is kind of like a like a political idea that like how awful colonialism was right which you know and, and that's a pretty unarguable point given that like lots of genocide happened um and right thing <laughs> but it's also like but so the idea so the idea is that this is all a metaphor for kind of like oh well you know uh the like colonialism was bad and the and the our world is on the is on the foundations of colonialism in the same way that asgard is and i guess if you carry that metaphor all the way to fruition we have to destroy that like i guess do we have to like destroy america or something like you yeah. know what i mean this is kind of what i mean by saying like i thought it was kind of neat uh, and I and I think I got, like I got the parallel, but I don't think it is nearly as strong as uh, as lots of uh, people I follow yeah. on Twitter want to think it is. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 a bunch of stuff in there. Like, 
don't know. I don't know if I agree with 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 the kind of like overarching thing that like 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 all like colonialism had bad things in it and there were like very negative aspects to it. I'm not going to deny that, but like I, I don't think that lets you say that like exploration is bad kind of. Like I think there's like that aspect to it. Also, I don't yeah. th- I, I don't think in the film like any of this is explored like nearly as much as it needs to. Like I actually thought that it was like like I got it, right? Like but like Odin's never called to answer for it, right? It's just kind of like stated by Hela, and that's all. Yeah, I, yeah. And it felt I, like yeah, way, yeah, way I, underdeveloped. I, I feel that. I, I, that's the other thing too is that, like, I just watched a video by Wisecrack, um, who are you know who are pretty good about. Uh, like, you know, breaking down this kind of stuff, like, you know, they went through all the Rick and Morty episodes and they were like, oh, well, here's all these, you know, philosophical undertones to all this kind of stuff. Um, but they they were trying to make this case that, like, the parallel of Odin losing his eye, because in, in Norse mythology, Odin sacrifices his eye to gain knowledge, right? That this is Thor yep. doing that same thing because he has realized that that Asgard is kind of built on, on these... Um, you know, on this kind of foundation of lies, uh, essentially. And I think that that's the stronger reading to me. Like, the historical revisionism is bad reading. Like, that that was communicated much more than anything specifically colonial, I guess. Yeah, um, uh, I... About colonialism or imperialism. I also saw it more as kind of like a... Like a, like, like a thing about, like... Uh, about like destruction not necessarily being bad and also like like a kind of like comment on on fate right like Ragnarok must happen for for like Ragnarok happening isn't necessarily a bad thing is it, more what I pulled out of it um I guess I don't know I was a lot of that was also overshadowed by me by by being so obvious of what was going to happen at the end of the movie I know oh my god I remember that 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 thing with Surtur in the beginning yeah um, and I was actually kind of hyped for Surtur. I like Surtur a lot in the comics, and I saw him in the commercials, and I was like, oh, shit, what the fuck are they going to do with Surtur kind of thing? Um, in one of the best comics ever, actually, um, Odin like has to die because he kills Surtur, but the two of, the, the, like, the two of their souls kind of become intertwined. Um, and so every morning, um, uh, Surtur is resurrected, and Odin has to kill him, but then Surtur mortally wounds Odin, um and then uh and then odin dies and so it's kind of like and it's like such a great like norse mythology kind of thing where it's like odin needs to step away from asgard he's no longer a part of asgard because um he needs to fulfill this kind of sisyphean cycle of killing surtur when he regenerates every day or otherwise surtur will get out and destroy the universe kind of thing um and it's and and you know it's a thing and thor goes and talks with odin and they fight together against surtur to give odin like one day where he doesn't die uh and it's all very like like touching and moving i think it was uh it's it's like thor number like four um from the kind of mid-2000s run uh and i was really hoping that they would do something like that but they kind of just did this thing in the beginning where he was like well, tell me your plan. And then Surtur uh, outlines the plan, and you're like, they would never have gotten that detailed with it if we, it wasn't going to come back in the future. Yeah. Uh, it was the most obvious Chekhov's gun. Oh, God, it was so obvious. Yeah, plus, like, I don't know, just, just from that scene, like, they didn't need to do the chain gag twice. Like, like I don't know. Like There, there were a lot of little things like that where it's like, yeah. like, yeah, I get it once. Sure, that's a decent gag. But doing it a second time is kind of like, what, what, why? Especially because uh, it's such a long gag. Yeah. If that, you know what I mean? Like, it's a gag that takes 
seconds. Uh, and I do remember that that I do remember that second one not getting the first one it got a got a kind of laugh and everything like that. Um, but the second one was much more awkward and quiet. Yeah. Plus, plus, plus like I think the length of it's also another thing because like it's also almost immediately followed up with the the gag that like calling the hole near takes then like you know a non trivial amount of time and that's also like three seconds of like waiting for it to happen, um, which they also repeat later with. Uh, where do they repeat that in? Uh, they do do that gag a second time, right? That that he's calling it, and, and it takes a while for it to get through. Uh, do they? I mean, Mjolnir gets destroyed pretty quick. It feels like so. Yeah, may, maybe. Oh, in, in uh, Doctor Strange, Doctor the Doctor oh, Strange yeah, yeah, yeah. cameo, Doctor which Strange is like house. a nothing cameo too, right? Yeah. Like that got played up as being like a thing that was going to be important, but it was like. It was very, very much nothing, right? Like they could have just not been there. I don't know why they bothered. Like it was, it was. I don't know. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what, did, what did you think of straight? Like the, the the whole Doctor Strange thing seemed only there to like, you know, put Benedict Cumberbatch in the movie and also show off the umbrella. I think it was to. Sh- I think it was to finalize that cameo. Um, from the original Doctor Strange. Oh, like, you mean from the post credit scene? Yeah, like, I bet yeah. that they had a... I, I, I think... I, I don't know. That whole beginning section feels like it was rewritten to me. Um, I don't... I You know, and I, I, that's bad. I shouldn't say that kind of, like, because it's it's not really something I can kind of, like, prove almost. Right. But that it, 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 it holds together much worse than any of the rest of the movie. Um, even the, like middle you know what i mean like there there are some ports in the middle part where it kind of weirdly drags um but even that stuff is kind of like more uh like is paced more appropriately than than the the stuff in the first movie or sorry than the stuff in the first act right Um, yeah so yeah i don't know i i also had a tough time with some of those jokes um this is the joke archetype and this comes courtesy of h bomber guy uh who said um the part that's always lacking in these movies is the main character, or isn't the main character fight a horde of identical baddies parts, which Thor has several times and doesn't really need. I'm also sick of the nor- something normal and inconvenient happens in a grandiose moment joke. It's funny once per film for me. That joke, something normal and inconvenient happens in a grandiose moment, is the, is what I mean when I say like these stakes ruining jokes, right? Like the the one where um where. Uh, Bruce Banner, he's like, oh, well, you're about to see, you know, who I am. And he makes the choice to go to turn into the Hulk and he falls, but he just smacks the bridge. I was like, come on. You know what I mean? Especially because two seconds later, he hulks out fucking anyway, you know? And it's just like, it completely deflated that moment because they wanted, they wanted to, to take a laugh out of it. And this has been a Marvel movie problem for a long time, right? This is a very typical Marvel movie yeah, problem. Yeah. But it's a thing that always, like, it always gets on my nerves. Because I'm always very keyed into kind of, like, stakes, I feel like, um, when it comes to watching film. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely get that. I, I, I think it does have its place. I, I agree with you that the Bruce Banner moment was um, not only, pre- like, not only predictable and deflating, but also kind of pointless because he does, like, become the Hulk, like, immediately thereafter, right? Like, it's not like there's even any question about it. Yeah. Um, I will actually say that they do the same joke in the Edward Norton Incredible Hulk movie, and it is much better in that movie. Um, Mostly because it's less of a, like, hero moment and more of a kind of panic moment um, where, like, the abomination is tearing through New York and nobody knows what to do. 
and Edward Norton, uh, I think he gets pushed out of the like a plane or like a helicopter or something, and he smacks into the ground. But then his like eyes turn green and he hulks out, kind of thing. This one is the culmination of the Hulk's heroic arc because he's talking about he's like I can't Hulk out again because I think if I do I'll I won't exist anymore, right? But instead of that choice having like weight and meaning because he's going to save these people from Fenris. It's like played for. It's like undercut for laughs, which is that that that's the part of it that kills me. Um, you know, I have to say that I went back and I rewatched Doctor Strange after seeing uh, Hulk because you know we did Doctor Strange last year. I really raved about Doctor Strange. I loved Doctor Strange and I wanted to see if it held up um, because unlike Guardians, which kind of occupied some of my mind and also got like some follow up. Uh, like Lindsay Ellis did a great video about like the complex, like the complexities of the subtext to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two um, that I think I've re referenced on the cast before. Um, there wasn't that kind of same stuff for Doctor Strange, and so I kind of like I saw it, I loved it, and then I forgot about it, and I wanted to see it a second time just to make sure that I thought it like held up, and it really did, and it really like put into stark relief so all, like a lot of these problems that I had um, with Thor. Uh, because, like I said, like, Doctor Strange is still kind of a lighthearted and funny movie in places, right? Like, even with, like, the Cloak of Levitation doing his thing, like, um, you know, kind of pulling Strange away. All of those jokes worked for me much better a second time. I, I remember being a little bit annoyed at them the first time and thinking that they were kind of in this vein. But I'm actually pretty sure I was wrong about that. Like, I think these jokes were all much better, um, uh, like, like, much better placed, I guess, um, specifically because the context of them was always, was always in a way that like kind of made it less about, you know, uh, uh, made it kind of like less about like undercutting a big moment and more about reinforcing, uh, that like the helplessness aspect of it. Because like, you know, a lot of it is Stephen Strange is a very new guy, um, and he's not, you know, he's not fully kind of trained or fully realized. And so there's a lot of danger to, you know, fighting Kaecilius and, and, and his dudes. And I thought that that was a really interesting contrast from the kind of like, uh, from the, from some of the stuff that we saw in like in Thor, um, specifically the, specifically the ending. Like, I think the Dr. Strange ending is just fucking phenomenal as it is. And so I don't want to, I don't want to hold it to too high a standard. Um, but I think that some of this kind of, you know, if I, if I wanted to go full, full force on this kind of post-colonialism, imperialism is super bad context, uh, it would have needed to be set up better and it would have needed to kind of cu culminate better um, w in terms of the different characters reconciling, uh, rec reconciling themselves with, with that. Yeah, I, I I guess I I see that. Because uh, so like the thing is is that like not only is it just that Odin doesn't deal with it, kind of neither does Thor. Right. right? Like you kind of get this cop out that like Asgard is a people, not a place, sort of thing, right? But it's not like Thor ever apologizes or acknowledges the fact that the kingdom is built on this kind of, you know, conquest. Quest, yeah. Um, um, uh, we also don't see a lot of the the consequences of that either. Right? Like, it's not like there's a lot of... Sh like, the only consequences are, like, Hela killing the Valkyries, I guess. Like, there is, it's not like there's a lot of shots of, like, the Nine Realms being conquered with, like, blood running through the streets or whatever. Right? It's, it's not like we, we, we feel the, the, the kind of, like, weight on the conquered peoples. Um, 
we just kind of have it spoken to yeah. us. Especially because in the other movies, the conquered peoples are things like frost giants it's, who are just like giant assholes. You yeah. know what I mean? Or like even in this movie where we do go to Muspelheim and see the fire, like Searcher and the fire giants, even in this movie, they're fucking assholes. You know what I mean? Like it's not a real, how much of that is a real civilization that I need to feel empathy with um, compared to, right, you know indigenous populations right. in the Americas, right? Who obviously did not deserve to be genocide, right, right, right? right? You know what I mean? I don't know. I just think that like, like a lot of that uh, kind of uh, metaphor was just not, not well, well realized. Though I did, I do have to say that I did enjoy the historical revisionism aspect of it from like, kind of like, a, like less about imperialism, more about like this idea that like the, the foundation, like the stories that we told ourselves about our society were lies. Um, I think that that was pretty. I think that was pretty strong and pretty good. Um, What's your I cat's also, opinions on this movie? Yeah, I don't know. They're fucking fighting a lot. Have you been hearing them like this whole time? Uh, not, not the, the like, whole time. Last, like, Pat, Fifteen minutes. Past <laughs> couple minutes, it's been audible, but it's it's fine. I uh, don't know. I, can, I don't know what to do about it. What what the fuck? Anyway, um. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is there, I, it's, not, it's also not something I can break up because they're under the couch. Is, 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 isn't the new cat's name o Odin? Yeah, the new cat's name is Orion. Orion, never mind. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Uh, different say, different pantheon. Uh, well, I actually don't know if Orion is a god. Is he a Greek god? Uh, I think he... I, I don't know, actually. Yeah, I have no idea. What? He's not in a comic book, Orion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is actually in... Uh, uh, and this will be this will be my Justice League plug... He is uh, in the he is Darkseid's son uh, ah. in the New Gods comics. Um, uh, he is kind of uh, kind of very cool and awesome, and I like him a lot, and I think he's fun. Anyway, uh, uh, for those at home who are wondering, Orion is a Greek hunter of legend that is used placed among the stars. I don't think he's a god, but okay. he is he is a hunter. Um, you know that would make sense because like I guess Artemis is the god of the hunt, mm. the Greek god of the hunt. Uh, anyway, um, so something else I wanted to ask you a little bit about Thor Ragnarok. Um, we didn't have a full episode on Kingsman 2, but we talked about Kingsman 2, and one of the things they said about it was that, like, it really bothered me that the, they kept cutting back to this villain who was doing nothing. Um, and I felt the exact same way about this, um, though not to the same degree necessarily, um, where we kept cutting back to Hela not doing things, when the the interesting like all the story momentum was on Sakar with Thor and like the Hulk and all that stuff, yeah. How, did you get that same feeling? How did you feel about like these kind of? Um, um, it kind of like also like I don't know how to feel about it because it was obviously in service of giving Scorn uh, a heel face turn, um, which felt like like I, I'm having tr I have trouble with it because like I saw it, I'm like he's gonna do a, a a heel face turn and every time I saw him it's like this is in service of him doing a heel face turn and I can't tell if that was okay or not if I'm just like too blinded by how obvious that was supposed to be and how kind of like under my skin that got that like eventually he was going to like do like have his heroic fucking moment which he didn't have a lot of like he didn't have a lot there to kind of like heel face turn on he just kind of like was there, was around, and didn't get himself immediately killed. Uh, like, th th that's all of that felt like to me. It was, it, it was there just just, just to, like, set up Scorn being kind of unsatisfied with, with, with being Hella's bitch. 
Oh my god, I thought the Scorn thing was so bad. Um, it was relatively minor, um, but uh, uh, it kind of it, it was like a culmination of a lot of a lot of things. First of all, he didn't do very much uh, of interest during like during the movie. Like I was actually kind of hoping that like. Scorn and Thor would have like a showdown or whatever, and it could maybe even play into this sort of you know like to it could it could like play into this sort of thing or maybe like Scorn and Valkyrie or something you know what I mean? But just like have it have it so that like Valkyrie or I'm sorry Hela, it when she shows up to Asgard and kills everybody you know what I mean? It doesn't give the the impression that like she's working with an ideology that like people could be susceptible to. But I actually think it would have been kind of cool if she was able to convince people like, yeah, no, we are fucking conquerors and we're going to go back to conquering. And Scorn kind of becomes like the personification of like the the temptation. Um, right. Uh, for like for the Asgardian sort of thing. Um, and then they didn't do that. And then they like undercut like the pathos of his heel face turn by bringing back that joke with the AK or sorry, not the eight, the M 16s or whatever. And I was just like, how do like, who, who cares? How, how who cares about this? You're, you're making us not care because even though like you've injected a bunch of pathos into it, all of that gets undercut by the laugh. So I don't know. I just thought that whole thing was so weird. I, I I was hoping that like, Honestly, what I was expecting and I was hoping was that the, that that heel face turn was gonna come like, like while he was like walking down the bridge, like all of a sudden he turns around, and, like takes out like six of them or whatever, because they're they're portrayed as being between a rock and a hard place, and like, kind of him flipping around like earlier, I think would have done a lot more for that kind of turn. I still think it would have been kind of undeserved, but at least it would have felt more heroic. I guess mm. I don't know. It was it was very very fucking. It was very weird. Like, man, uh, I feel like we've been so mean to Thor Ragnarok. I was so ready to be mean to it and have you constantly fight me. I was so sure you liked this movie a lot. Oh, I mean, <laughs> there were things that I really liked about it. I thought Jeff Goldblum was a fucking treat. I loved it. Loved him. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, he was basically just Jeff Goldblum in space. But you know what? That's fine. I love it. Uh, I really liked Taiki uh, or Taika Watiti's character, the Rock Man, or yeah, whatever. Thor. I. Yeah, I thought I thought that was fun. I thought that was I thought that was a, a lot of fun. Um, also, kind of like the like you know like the, the 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 kind of like just every piece of dialogue out of him I thought was great, and I thought that was like the right place for like that level of, of humor, right? Like was was uh, was was as like the, the two comic relief characters, right? Like like effectively, uh, what's what's the character's name again? I'm sorry, you just said it. Thor. Korg. Korg and the insect dude, like, they were effectively kind of the rocket and Groot of this movie, um, and I loved it. Uh, uh, and, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I, I thought that, like, the Valkyrie being a Valkyrie was kind of, like, that, that, like, my, my suspension of disbelief is not as rock solid as yours, but it, it, it did kind of, like, strike me as, like, well, isn't that convenient? That she's a, a Valkyrie, like, like that, that, I don't know why that hit me so weirdly, but it did kind of hit me with like a, well, huh, uh, who'd have thunk that there's a Valkyrie out here? Also, kind of the reveal on, on what happened with her was kind of, 
nothing. Like, I, I was kind of expecting, like, a, she ran away, which is why she's an alcoholic and, like, kind of unwilling to talk about it or right. something like that. When it was, like, someone else gave her life for her, which I get it, but, like, it, 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 I don't know. I, that, 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 that kind of reveal is very unsatisfying. Um, also kind of like he coming out and like Loki reading her mind or whatever. That also seemed like it was out of nowhere. Yeah. The thing that I hated about that is that it wasn't, uh, is that it was a true blue, like cut and paste kind of flashback. I actually think it would have been the way it was set up where Loki does this thing where he like makes her relive this awful memory in order to escape. That would have been good. Yeah. Because it would have been using the flashback to forward the plot in the present sort of thing. But he, he does it, and then we cut away for a minute, and then we cut back to the exact same situation, and it has no bearing on, on the direction or the momentum of the plot. So it just kind of like has the, has the net effect of stopping the plot dead. Uh, and this is also a plot that is being stopped dead because every time you're cutting back to like Hella and Scorn or, Scorn or whatever... Um, uh, you know, they're not doing anything. And so I don't know, like that kind of, that kind of like start and stop thing was, 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 was rough. Um, that said, I thought Tessa Thompson was really compelling. Uh, even though like, I, like, I thought that part was underwritten, but she basically compensated for it by just kind of being great. Oh yeah. Uh, no, so I, I, I thought she, I thought she did a good job with the part. I just thought it, it, it strained my, my believability that there just happened to be a Valkyrie sitting around. Oh, uh, oh, I get that. I get that. Yeah. And then Valkyries have this specific interaction with Hela, who just, ha you know what I mean? Who happened to be at the exact same. Uh, I get that. I yeah. Also, get that. also the fact that like, like that Thor knows about the Valkyries, but doesn't know about the fact that all of them are wiped out by Hela seems like. Yeah. Rachel brought this up. She was actually incredibly furious. at So there's that joke where the, there's the Valkyries or whatever, and then Thor kind of, like, puts his foot in his mouth about, like, the feminism sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, like, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's about time. After the movie, Rachel was like, that joke is fucking awful, right? The Valkyries were there before Thor, right? Yeah. Because they fought hell. She is older than him. Yeah. And from a period in time when, when like, the dominant warrior was also a woman... Right? So, like, there isn't this kind of, you know, like, there isn't this subtext of oppression or whatever in the in the history of Asgard. Right. Such that that would even be, like, a worthwhile joke kind of thing. And if he knew about the Valkyries and all that stuff, how does he not know about Hela being that, like, all of the Valkyries died trying to kill Hela? Right? Right. Just, that, that, that really doesn't make any sense at all. Right. I mean, like, and, like... You could even fix this easily by giving it like like some some kind of even like minorly throwaway lines like you know like huh I wonder whatever happened to the Valkyries or like or you know ah uh, and then you guys all went off to like magical fairyland or or something right like you you could throw in a one line explanation of why he doesn't know what's happening without causing this this very kind of rigid or very very kind of like hard fridge moment yeah yeah yep yep uh, yep how did you think how did you like the Hulk. Uh, I thought, like, I thought the, the kind of, like, the, the, like, Banner's kind of struggle was interesting, um, but, like, I don't know, he just seemed kind of like a, a venue for, like, like, big dumb, like, big dumb stupid jokes, and, uh, and then that's it. 
like, like in the earlier parts, like, um, it didn't, it didn't do a lot for me. Also kind of like the, like, I don't know. It also felt like there was like an, like a, like a, a, a cut love story. Um, probably because it was a cut, like it, the movie kind of didn't decide, like, I guess like whether it was supposed to be Thor and the Valkyrie or Hulk and the Valkyrie, uh, I don't know. It just felt. It is. You know, I do just want to add to the fridge moment, uh, or not, not the fridge moment. The kind of like uh, suspension of disbelief thing. Not only does she happen to be a Valkyrie. Not only right, like does she? You know, is she showing up and that has all this history with Hela? But she's also like the Hulk's friend. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. It really is kind of everything. I like the Hulk a lot in this movie, though. I have to say, um, uh, the the kind of long duration Hulk changes where, like, the Hulk is kind of the main character rather than, like, Bruce Banner temporarily shifting in and out sort of thing, uh, is a remnant of uh, uh, of a writer named Peter David, uh, who I love, right? Like, the, the only reason I love Aquaman is because Peter David is was the writer who made Aquaman really awesome uh, kind of thing. Um, and so, uh, and this was actually a really interesting representation of kind of, like, the Peter David Hulk, where he was, like, Hulk for just, like, an incredibly long time. Um and, uh, and he could put it together, like, thoughts and stuff like that, but it wasn't, you know, uh, uh, he wasn't, uh, like, a, like, it wasn't, like, he, he had, he had, like, a psyche and was a person, right, even if his, like, mental faculties were kind of compromised yeah. comparatively. Uh, and I also thought that the stuff with kind of, like, Mark Ruffalo as Banner, um, worked really well, uh, in comparison to kind of, like, Thor, uh, like I like those two jokes where uh, where he's kind of like oh no I mean we hate that guy fucking Banner oh numbers you know what I mean yeah. like that joke and then the companion joke that came later right that was like God the Hulk goes oh, smash smash God we hate that guy yeah, you yeah. know what I mean I thought that was funny uh, I really liked the the fight between them I actually think one of the things that is a, is a saving grace for this movie that um, that we haven't talked about is I think the action was very well done yes um, not as not as well done as uh, as like the you know like I think. Uh, the like Man of Steel is probably the best superhero action uh, that we've seen or whatever, but definitely like a cut above uh, most of the typical stuff that we see out of uh, you know like the, that we see out of the Marvel movies, um, which was which was really awesome and really great. Like their whole fight scene, um, I kind of have a couple of quibbles with that fight scene, but at the end of the day, I thought it was really effective and it worked, uh, and it was really interesting, and I liked the dynamic between. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that I think about was, was great about the fight scene is the, is the way that Thor got into the fight. Um, because that's actually a pretty Thor thing to do. Like Thor comes from Ragnarok and so he's, or sorry, he, he's sorry. He comes from Asgard and Asgard is a lot more rough and tumble than kind of what we would think of as like earth, if that makes sense. So like he is very willing to engage in what we might call horseplay, I guess, kind of. It, 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 yeah, if yeah. that makes sense. Um, and I love that there was, there was that kind of reflection where, you know, Jeff Goldblum was like, you have to fight, like, the champion. And he's like, oh, yeah, dude, I fucking love fighting. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Or, like, he, he tries with the Hulk, but the Hulk wants to fight. And he's like, okay, let's throw down. You know, I think mm. that that is, uh, in a weird way, like, uh, what, what I was always afraid of with this movie was that it would be, was that they would throw out the, what makes Thor, Thor, right? Like, the kind of Lord of the Rings. Um, and and sub it in with Guardians of the Galaxy, and they did do that to to a certain extent. Though you know you had some stuff with Heimdall and stuff like that to kind of like make up for it a little bit. 
Um, but it was very true to form when it came to Thor himself. Um, because, like, upbeat, uh, jovial Thor is also, is, is, is actually very true to form in the comics. A lot of the time, like, Tony and, like, in, in, like, Tony and Captain America, like, Iron Man and Captain America carry a lot of the kind of, like, seriousness and, like, the weight. And Thor is kind of just, like, you know, he's like Reinhardt would uh, be I a see. great example um, of kind of, like, someone who does enjoy being a superhero, right? And being a superhero is a fun, and he loves a good fight, you know? He loves a good tumble kind of thing, right? And I think that they really nailed that that aspect of the character, and uh, and so I, I want to give it the appropriate amount of props for that, um, especially because we've spent, like, the preceding 45 minutes just, like, uh, beating beating up the movie uh, quite a bit. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel that. I definitely... I de- I, I see that. I guess it is. I'm not as familiar with the comics, but uh, that that sounds neat. Um, what did you think of Loki in this film? Oh, I I really enjoyed Loki in this film. Uh, I there is more that I wish they did with him. Uh, but I kind of feel that way about everybody. Um, I, I so I don't so I don't hold that against the movie because at the end of the day, so like part of this thing where like Thor really shouldn't have an arc. He's just kind of the central character that every that all these other characters revolve around, and they're the ones that have arcs, right? Um, but we're not used to seeing that kind of thing, right? Like that that that's a rarer, I guess, uh, like like movie structure, like narrative structure for a movie. Um, and so when you see an arc on screen. Uh, where you have Loki, who's kind of, you know, like, shitty, but he eventually comes around to it, uh, and he reconciles with his, you know, he, and he reconciles with Thor, and they work together, uh, and he wants to save Asgard and stuff like that, right? Like, um, that, I'm, I'm used to looking at that and saying, uh, like, this is underdeveloped, but at the end of the day, Loki's a supporting character, and so, like, I can't really say, like, I think, I think if they spent more time on it, it probably would be worse, um, and then it, it really sold me. Uh, overall the thing that i actually liked most about it was the part where uh was was the relationship that he had with thor specifically um because loki is less interesting as a villain as as than he is as kind of like sometimes a villain sometimes an ally you know like like going back and forth uh thor 2 gets a lot of flack and everything like that but all that stuff with loki was fucking awesome right right uh, and uh you know i th- i think that that is, is is it's very true to form and it's great and i just thought i don't know i thought loki was in a lot of ways i guess i think loki was probably the best part of this movie uh now that i'm actually putting it in those terms uh, i don't i don't know if i agree that he was the best part of the movie but he was definitely a lot of fun uh i i don't know the the I really enjoyed kind of like the the kind of inverse uh, moments where like uh, you know he, there's the story that he's telling where he's the hero on the beginning where where Matt Damon is him. Oh my god, that Matt Damon cameo was so funny. Oof. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, Thor is uh, Luke Hemsworth, I believe. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but then kind of like the it, it boomerangs around and. Loki is actually the savior that he pretends to be. Um, and, you know, like, he shows up, he's like, ah, oh, your savior has arrived in kind of, like, a cocky tone. But, you know, he, he is, right? Like, he shows up with the ship and saves the Asgardian people. Uh, um, the only thing that really, that, that kind of, like, threw me off was there's, like, the elevator scene where, like, he's clear, like, he's talking with Thor and he's he clearly expects Thor to, to, 
try and convince him to come back and save Asgard. And Thor's like, nope, you should stay here. Um, and I don't know what the kind of payoff to that was supposed to be. Um, I don't know. It just, oh, I loved that scene it, a lot. Yeah, I, I thought it was an okay scene, but it felt like one half of like a of a storyline that 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 doesn't get like. Oh, interesting. Okay, so here let, let me let me let me let me let me try and reframe this a little bit. What I love about that scene is that. Um, so it's two things. First, it is Thor kind of for it is Thor and Loki kind of for the first time like breaking themselves almost um, of kind of their ties to Asgard. And I think that there was there was something very cool about Thor kind of being like, you know what, like maybe Asgard just isn't the right place for you, and that's okay, and we should stop trying to force it to be, almost. You know what I mean? And so that's that's a part of it, right? Which is which is less, by the way, about the specifics of Asgard and more about the acceptance, right? Where it's just kind of like I accept you for who you are, right? And I don't want to change you anymore. Um, uh, and uh, and it's also the part part where I think Thor says like you know, he's like man like I loved you you know we were brothers kind of thing, um, but it's also the point where Loki is like yeah like I don't need Asgard I don't want Asgard but he actually does you know what I mean he does want to be the savior of Asgard that's why he rewrites you know that's why he writes a whole play for right, himself right. in the beginning of the movie to cast him as the savior of Asgard, right? Like he does want to be the hero. He does want that recognition. Um, and he doesn't actually want to, you know, uh, uh, to engage in this kind of like, uh, like this lawlessness or whatever. So like, that's what I loved about the elevator scene. It's like, it had those two parts of it. For the first time, Thor accepts Loki for who he is. Right. And they have a conversation that isn't about themselves. It's about the, you know, like the other person. Right. Right. Um, kind of thing. And it's also about Loki. You know, it's also about, about setting up Loki's kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, th like there's this lie that he believes, right, where he that he's resentful and all this stuff about Asgard and everything else like that. Um, but that that's not actually true. That he does want to be a hero and that he can, right, be a hero. Um, he just kind of has to do it his own way, sort of thing. So that's what I. Th so that's why uh, I, I enjoyed that scene. That's, that's fair. Like like I said, it, it just felt like it, it wanted to be paired with something else. Maybe that is him coming back to Asgard and I'm, I'm overreading into it. Um. Yeah. I think the trippy part is that like, in a way, because those two things are happening simultaneously, it kind of suggests that Loki would like that. The movie thinks Loki would be better on Asgard, right? Because we have that, you know, that's the thing that we use. Or I'm sorry, better on Sakaar because that's the thing that we're using for like the acceptance kind of thing. Um, even though that's not true, right? Like, yeah, Loki, yeah. you know, doesn't no. want to be on Sakaar. He wants to go to. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it's, 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 yeah. The, to be to be frank, it's kind of like when that happened. Like he, he looks disappointed that the Thor doesn't like what I, what I expected was uh, was you know like the the subversion there is that Thor is supposed to try and convince Loki to come back to Asgard with them, and then Loki looks disappointed that that doesn't happen. And I expected that to be kind of like much more clearly telegraphed as influencing something down the line, right? Like 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 a line before he betrays Thor, being like, "Well, I guess you know I am better off here" or something like that. Before he gets kind of like he comes to his senses or whatever, um, but it's it, it's it's not telegraphed, right? It's just kind of like uh, in, inferred. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I, I I I also want to say that I th I think the humor was great in the movie. Uh, obviously, Taika Waititi is a comedy guy, and that came through. 
Um, some of the, you know, I have to say that some of the jokes felt very improv and not very good. Like, there were kind of, like, in terms of absolute numbers, there were more stinkers that didn't get a laugh, um, I feel like, in this movie than in other Marvel movies sort of thing. But I also think that that's just a product of there being, like, a lot of jokes in the movie. Um, and a lot of them worked really well. Like, man, dude, that fucking joke where, uh, uh, where Thor tells the story about Loki becoming a snake, that was so funny. I lost my shit. Right? Even little jokes, right? Like, little detailed jokes. Like, there's the part where Thor goes to fist bump uh, oh, Banner, and, and, and then he high-fives him. him. Yeah, oh, my yeah. God! It's so good. It's like, and it's like, you know what I mean? I love it about that because it's a detail. You know what I mean? It's such a details thing. It's like a blink and you'll miss it. And I felt like there was a lot of that kind of stuff. And it was just, I don't know. I thought it was great. Yeah. No, I I, 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 I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the, those jokes very much. Like I said, I thought... Jeff Goldblum was a treat, and every scene with him was gold. Yeah, that was that was pretty great. I'm a little sad that like the that like the the liquefier stick didn't come back. I thought mm-hmm. it was going to come back for like a third go round because I thought it was funny, but yeah. it didn't. I, I don't know. I absolutely loved. I I guess it was was it the last scene of the movie, or the post credit scene, where like Jeff Goldblum comes out and is like, "Well, <laughs> you can't have a re- revolution without uh, someone to overthrow." So. uh... We'll call it a draw. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, that was really funny. That was really funny. I uh, I liked it, liked it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, so yeah. I don't know. Do you have any? Do you have any final thoughts? Where does this fit? Right, like in in the pantheon of Marvel movies, what would you what would you say this movie is most like? What do you mean by most like? You know, like okay, let's say you're ranking the Marvel movies. Oh yeah, right? and not not specifically like like point by point ranking. Right, right, right. Um, okay, so it's yeah. so for me, S tier is like the Guardians movies, Ant Man, and Homecoming. This is an A. This is in A tier. Uh, uh, you know, uh, and you know, uh, which holds movies like. Uh, like Avengers one and uh, what's what's another good one for this one? Like Iron Man one and do you uh, like uh, do you like Winter Soldier? Winter Soldier probably is in the A tier for me too. Yeah, um, we're, we're, interesting. Where is Civil War? Um, that's that's tough. That's probably like how much should I, like so Civil War. Like I remember liking a lot at the time but i can't really remember a lot about it on the spot uh, so that probably doesn't say a lot for it so that kind of fall i guess kind of definitionally pushes it into the the b tier uh yeah like i guess b tier uh for civil war um with like a c tier being kind of the lowest not holding like thor one and captain america one um, and everything kind of sorts itself in between the, the rest of the tiers. Um, what about you? Where, where do you put it? Uh, I think I, I think I'm, uh, uh, I think it's, a, it's in, it's a B tier. Okay. Um, essentially I, I guess I think my S tier is like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Doctor Strange, uh, Age of Ultron. By the way, this is me liking movies and not me qu- like quality movies. Right, so right. I'll clarify that. Um. You know, and then you have, like, the A-tier, which are, man, other Marvel movies that I liked quite a bit. Uh, I guess Ant-Man is an A-tier movie, actually. Uh, my quibbles with that with that uh, kind of side. Um, uh, the Winter Soldier is absolutely in this one. Um, 
uh, both Guardians, or I'm sorry, Guardians 1, rather. Guardians 2 is definitely S tier for me sort of thing. But then I think you get into B tier where you get Civil War, right? Uh, it's got it's got too many... Uh, it's got too many things that I dislike specifically, um, like these stakes ruining jokes or whatever, for me to kind of uh, like like keep it bumped, uh, for me to keep it bumped up. That said, um, it is one of the it is it is one of the Marvel movies that I think would look best on the big screen. I don't think that this would translate to a small screen as well. Um, very big kind of visuals with like a lot of detail in the frame, uh, and you can't watch that on a laptop in the same way that you watch it on a on a on a movie theater, so yeah, yeah. Oh, so so one thing I wanted to point out because I just remembered it, I didn't want it to go unmentioned. Is um, I actually really liked the music in this movie, um, in a way that's kind of like I don't think about the music in Marvel movies at all, right? Like they're, they're just kind of like whatever. And this one was exceptional, or maybe not exceptional, but good enough to notice. And so I th I thought that was worth mentioning that the music yeah, in this film I, was I, very good. I do agree with that. It was actually done by the guy, like the guy from Devo. Uh, oh, guy. really? Yeah, I didn't know yeah. that. Uh, I I actually think the kind of like like eighties, you know, power metal album cover aesthetic uh, was one of the things that was just awesome. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I guess this you could say that that he really. Like with the soundtrack, he really whipped it. That was a, a stretch. Oh, no. oh. oh, oh, Christ! <laughs> you know what's funny is I I am such a pun lover, um, that you know, uh, I I really shouldn't be doing this kind of like that was such a bad pun. Well, it, it, it was it was it was a little bit of a stretch, or it was it was a lot of a stretch. So you know. I, I think it deserved the groan, but that's what I was going for. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so I guess that's our read on uh, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, how was your week? What'd you do? Um, uh, well, yeah. So so the big thing to talk about with my week was I played a ton of Super Mario Odyssey. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, I'm actually very interested in this. Um, so this game is, is great. Um, it is probably the single best plat like single best Mario game uh 3D Mario game uh out I think I think you can argue Galaxy fights that but um a Galaxy one but but Odyssey was just kind of uh is just kind of incredible um there are a lot of uh weird things about it that I love a lot of weird things about it that I, I don't like as much like one thing that I love about this game is um there's, like, when you play enough platformers, you got this kind of, like, platformers intuition where you kind of go, like, looking for secrets. Um, and, like, every single time that that impulse is rewarded. Um, not always greatly, right? Like, sometimes it's just, like, a couple of invisible coins. But there's always something there. Always something where the devs, like, winked at you and said, like, yeah, I know that you, that you were going to, like, you, you, you saw it and you tried it and you got here. So, at the very least, have a coin to know that, like, you didn't miss something or whatever. And that, and, you know, good job for seeing this. That's cool. Uh, um, uh, something that is awesome that I didn't expect is um, uh, so mild spoilers for the plot of of Super Mario Odyssey, um, but uh, uh, there's a Bowser level and it's just like amazing, like samurai Japanese inspired level. Um, that is, uh, I didn't know I wanted it until I saw it, and it's just, it is just <laughs> I don't I don't know why, but it really resonated with me, and it was like really really fucking great um uh it's it's it just like 
resonates so well. Um, uh, on the other side, like there's this like like Bowser's Bowser's costume is the wedding outfit, which is fine. Um, but like kind of the dumbest thing is that his hat has like punching gloves in it, and that's like the <laughs> core mechanic of the boss fights with Bowser's is you you you. Uh, he throws his hat at you, and you jump, and you knock it over, and you jump inside the hat, and then you use it to punch Bowser. Um, it's just kind of like, that's like the, we like, it's, it's like, like, there's so much hat stuff in this game, you'd think that they, they do a little better with it. Um, the other weird thing is that, like, because there's this consistent thing where, like, everything without a hat, you can throw a hat on, um, or at least every sentient being, some unsentient things, right, like the, the core mechanic of New Donk City is you can throw hats onto, like, traffic cones and use them to launch yourself um but like because of that everything is wearing a hat like to a point where it becomes kind of obnoxious where you see like toads wearing hats because otherwise you have to be able to possess them and so ev absolutely everything is wearing a hat um it's just kind of like like it, i guess it's part of the charm of the game in some ways but it's also kind of weird in other ways like you see like a, a shibu inu wearing a fedora running around uh um and then kind of the, the other part of that is that some of the levels fall into this trap where like there's like like the, the positions are varied, but they're not quite as various as I kind of expected it to. And there are a lot of levels where like there is the possession for the level and most of the mechanics of the level revolve around that particular possession. Um, in the Bows level, for example, there's a bird that can like poke its nose into walls and you can use it to fling yourself around. Um and in like the, the 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 steam forest level, there's like uh like you possess an onion that like grows legs real long. And in the 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 luncheon level, which is uh my probably my least favorite level, um you possess uh uh like a flame ball, like the classic flame balls that jump out of the lava. Uh, you possess them, and you uh and you run them, and they're not they're uh, problems by themselves, but like. Um, one, some of the variety, there's like three different types of like attach yourself to a thing and then fling yourself with it. Um, but the other one is like, uh, like, like the, like the, the, the revolution of the mechanics of the level around that. Um, like the, the, the flame ball in particular, like the jumps with it are like huge and so floaty that it's hard to be super accurate with. This is actually the problem I have with destiny two platforming too. Um, is it jumps are so jumps are so floaty that it's hard to be super accurate with it. And Mario does demand precision platforming of you, um, in a, in like in all of it. And so uh, that I found those, those levels, uh, to it, or th those kind of aspects to be the most frustrating, um, as well as kind of an insistence that like, that like that be the thing you do for most of the time in those levels. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, I still think it's an, it's an excellent game. It's 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 uh, it's a ton of fun. There's like surprises around every corner. There's a bunch of really cool Easter eggs. Um, like uh, again, spoilers for for the game. Uh, once you beat the game, you get access to the Mushroom Kingdom, um, and like uh, you get you actually get to um, if you find it, you can access it a little bit early. Like so, one of the mechanics is in every world, there's like a painting that takes you to a different world. Um, it's supposed to be, and it's, it's like, uh, it's like one of the hidden stars for that other world is you have to go through the secret entrance in another world. It's otherwise inaccessible. Um, and so you could get to that early and you get a star and, uh, your hat's like, oh, well, I guess star, like power moons look different in some kingdoms. They're like, ah, um, but like there's Peach's castle. And I don't know if you, you ever played Mario 64, but the way you get to like the, 
the what like the the cap level uh like where you get the wing cap is you look you stand at the center and you look at the skylight and if you do that in in the mushroom kingdom world it gives you a power moon right and it's like oh like 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 like, like this is what i'm talking about when i say like they reward every little kind of thing that you think to do as as a platform i thought i, I don't know i thought i thought it was uh i, I think it's in, it's really well done and it's it's pretty incredible and i recommend it for everybody out there like I, I think this game is a system seller in a lot of ways okay all right uh i i am actually weirdly hyped i am so typically mean to nintendo i'm just like a I, you know i just i'm a nintendo hater i drink that nintendo haterade um but even i can't deny the allure of super mario odyssey and i think i'm going to try and figure out a good way to play it definitely because definitely give it a shot and if i have to say you know it's funny this is just to just to squeak a little nintendo uh hate in here one of the things that appeals to me most about super mario odyssey is that uh is that it doesn't look like Super Mario 64 to me, which I don't like all that much. Like, I think it's revolutionary and everything, and I give it, I, I think it deserves a lot of credit like that, uh, but I don't think that it, it, it holds up uh, as, as solidly as other stuff. Um, I think it is more channeling Super Mario Sunshine, uh, which is a game that I loved. Like, I loved Super Mario Sunshine. Uh, and this, and this, this gives me. I guess this is like simultaneously Nintendo hate and like Nintendo praise, um, but uh, uh, it, it feels, it feels, it feels like that to me. Uh, you should definitely check out. There's a beach level with like these octopi that you can possess that kind of get some of those flood mechanics in. Um, it's. I think it's supposed to be very clearly an homage to that, so you should check that out. Also, awesome. that in a lot of ways, I think that's kind of what it is. Is that like I, I guess I feel as though Super Mario sixty four um, doesn't have like that extra little bit, um, but there is an extra little bit uh, to um, uh, to Super Mario Sunshine because of the what do they call the pack? The, the flood, you, flood, the flood. Yeah, the flood pack. Yeah, um, you know, and so I think maybe that's what maybe that's what it is. Um, the only other thing I want to mention is that uh, the recommended control scheme is two separated uh, Joy-Cons, um, which is fine. Um, and it's actually kind of neat to kind of sit and, like, have your hands in different places. It's just a different experience. But, like, there are a couple of different hat tosses that aren't really possible without the motion controls. And they aren't super reliable, so I put that as a negative. But because they're not super important, I don't think it's that huge of a deal. But just just the thing I, I wanted to mention. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, what have I been doing? I've been playing a lot of Total War. Fuck. Uh, jeez. Uh, I don't know that there's anything, like, really, like, new. Well, actually, okay, so, um, so, uh, for Total War, uh, I guess before the podcast, um, you and I were talking about it a little bit, and you said that you weren't as into the battle mechanics, uh, yeah. as the campaign mechanics. Um, why, why is that? Um, I just, I've never been as big a fan of real time strategy. Um, I just really kind of like the macro decisions stuff and the, uh, kind of like strategic level st uh, stuff. Um, and kind of like, I, 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 it's in, in turn based games, things happen in very discrete chunks, which I, I, I guess I like, I like 
better. I will say that I have enjoyed the real-time battles in Total War Warhammer more than I ever have in any previous game. Um, uh, and, you know, this is going back to, like, Rome 1, where I was just marched around Doomstacks and auto-resolved as much as I could because I found, uh, like, I went back and played Rome 1, uh, like, a while ago, and uh, the, like, taking with me my kind of, like, more acceptance of the real-time battles. And the, the unit AI in Rome 1 is just so horrendous that, like, I think that that was a big part of it, that, like, I just hated it when it was bad, when it was bad, and I never really kind of updated it, um, but, like, the big draw for me for the Rome games has always, or for, rather, the Total War games has always been kind of, like, the world con conquest aspect, that's why, like, Civ, that's why, like, games, like... Sure, uh, the, four, it, the four X's. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly, um, and so the battles, while neat, um, it's kind of, like, I find the most satisfying parts to take place in, uh, kind of those overworld pieces, and, like, if I'm sitting down for a PlayStation, let's say I have two hours, if I spend an hour of that resolving battles, which are kind of, like, in the grand scheme of things, like, less impactful in a way, right? Like, the result of the battle, whether it's auto-resolved or manually fought, has kind of, like, the same impact, like, impact, right? Like, I can, I can influence that outcome, but it has the same impact on, like, the world map. And so, like, the time trade-off there um, isn't as like i'd rather be doing more of like the macro decision stuff um and and so uh i i prefer to auto resolve when i when i can yeah so i think that this is interesting because i i felt i think i i was that that person um like i played shogun i played uh rome 2 i played attila uh you know what i mean so i played a bunch of uh, you know, I played a bunch of these games, but it was really into Warhammer, um, and specifically to where I understood, like, I watched a YouTube video once that just explained what each of the different stats on the units do, um, and I, where I began to realize, I was like, oh my god, like, the battles are, at, like, the most fun part of this, you know, like, or, like, kind of, like, the most interesting, uh, uh, part of this, and, um, and then I started getting into playing, like, the battles more. Like, I'll even play battles on things that are really easily auto-resolvable. Uh, because the auto-resolve, like, really fucks your casualties a lot of the time. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing this in my Beastman campaign right now, where it's like, if I walk up to an enemy settlement, the auto-resolve is weirdly not in my favor. Um, and so, if I auto-resolve it, I'll take a ton of casualties. But if I play out the battle, it's actually pretty straightforward for me to, like, you know, lose 50 guys and route the enemy army um by being by being kind of like good um and in a way i guess that's kind of how i've gotten around because i think i actually think i would i would also find it a little bit blase um and i would agree with you uh when i look at some of my other like campaigns and my other like playthroughs and stuff like that uh especially for the especially for the historical campaigns because like the units are just not that different um you don't have monsters you don't have monstrous infantry uh you know you don't have magic uh and so kind of how the battle gets played out a lot of the time is much less complex um and much more i guess uh i don't know i just think it's not i just think that it's not quite as good um but once i really figured out like the 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 warhammer you know like i understood okay well there's melee defense and then armor does this and then you know, units at high leadership get frenzy, you know, like that, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, once I figured that stuff out, uh, that's when it really opened up to me. And I was like, oh, God, I fucking love this game. Yeah, well, that's uh, 
Yeah, so I just wanted to talk about that, I guess. I just wanted to I wanted to get the the full front to back, I guess. Um uh yeah uh so destiny uh so factions are are out came out this yeah, week yeah there's a faction rally this week can you can you what, what so so what 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 have you been doing with with factions like what faction have you pledged to what, right. what are the flat the factions can you break them down sure absolutely. i have i have not i have not loaded up destiny uh since monday uh so i haven't done anything with factions so uh factions are uh they're Different ideological groups in the uh, in the tower, um, in the city, and they kind of like they form a council that makes decisions for the the city, um, uh, and then during these faction rallies, you you kind of do things and you get tokens for your faction, and they can give you you turn them in, and they give you rewards, some of which is exclusive to it. And at the end of the week, uh, whoever has turned in the most tokens collectively, uh, their weapon goes for sale. Uh, for people, members of the faction, it's 1,000 Glimmer. For other people, it's 50,000. Um, and so kind of uh, from the top, they represent different uh, They represent different ideologies. They have different uh, armor patterns and shaders. Like um, the, all the armor patterns are like based on, I think, a particular planet. But they're all designs in the game. They're with like unique color schemes. Um, and uh, and uh, they also have different weapons to offer. Uh, but... Uh, Dead Orbit, the three factions are Dead Orbit, Future War Council, I think, Future War Consortium, something like that, um, and then the New Monarchy. Um, Dead Orbit believes that um, we need to leave, we need to leave the Traveler behind, and we just need to go out into the stars, that's the only way that we can, uh, that we can deal with that, 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 that we'll survive, and that we can deal okay. with them. They're kind of nihilists, uh, they're affectionately known as the Space Goths, and they're a long time... Space Goths. Longtime fan favorite. Um, their faction is voiced by Steter, Peter Stormare. Um, uh, as I understand it, historically they've had a lot of personality. Um, uh, uh, there's also the uh, so the FWC basically um, one of the Future War Cult. I think that's what they're called. Okay. Um, uh, one of them hooked themselves up to, or they at some point they hooked themselves up to a Vex machine. Um, basically told them that humanity is never going to be at peace again. Um, and so their kind of philosophy is that like war is inevitable um, to them. It's kind of like guaranteed because like, you know, they have, they have like the, the Vex machine tell them it. Um, and so um, instead of trying kind of like worry about it, that you should, you should embrace it um, and you should prepare for it and take the fight back against them. Um, they're led by an EXO who I think is voiced by somebody famous, but I can't remember who. Um, and then the last uh, faction is the new monarchy, um, headed by Executor Hideo, um, uh, who um, believe that um, the only way we're ever going to get anything done is, or we, we need to we need to protect the rights and liberties of everybody. The best way to do that is to uh, elect a, a monarch, or like uh, appoint a monarch of unimpeachable character. Is kind of like in the philosopher king's uh, 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 tradition of Plato and Aristotle. Um, and that they should be in charge, and that's how we will win. And uh, you know, even though the council, uh, the, the consensus rather, is kind of the ruling body, they actively aim to kind of uh, overthrow is kind of a strong word, but like replace that with a monarch of their, you know, uh, a monarch of impeachable care, unimpeachable character. Um, uh, I have pledged to the new monarchy because I hate all three of their philosophies, and I think that the new monarchy <laughs> is kind. Why of do you hate their philosophies? <laughs> Um, I, uh, you know, just kind of like, 
nihilism I find boring and unattractive. Um, I just okay. like kind of like this tied to fate theme and this like embraced war on like the you know we fucked ourselves up to the vex machine kind of has controlled us, and then the new monarchy is we want to install like an absolute dictator. Which, like, yeah, it's supposed to be a benevolent absolute dictator, but, like, <laughs> you know, that, that, yeah. um, uh, and, uh, basically, I think the new, new monarchy has the best looking armor. Um, also, uh, part of the thing here is there's a, the, the conspiracy is that, um, Dead Orbit has always won, and Dead Orbit won the first faction rally despite having a gun that most people didn't like, and people were like, oh man, we, like, a bunch of people on the subreddit whined that everybody picked Dead Orbit and they got the shit gun. Um, the gun they have this time is like, it's like a grenade launcher that nobody wants. Everybody's like, this is the shit. Like, this is so shit. And so the, uh, the, the conspiracy theory is, is, is Bungie is sandbagging dead orbit. So somebody else will win for once. Um, wait, wait, wait. So I'm sorry. Uh, which one should I choose? Uh, you should, you should make an informed decision. Um, most of the people. Yeah, I know. Pick... I'm asking you to inform me. Be my expert. Um, what, which one is the best? Uh, from which perspective? I'm sorry, from the uh, the items perspective. Items perspective. Not, not a philosopher, a philosophical perspective. <laughs> I mean, like, so I, I, I encourage everybody to pick the faction they most identify with. But from an items perspective, um, depends on what you play with. Um, people, uh, the things I've seen is that people like the sword a lot. Like the sword that, that w if uh, New Monarchy wins, the sword seems to be the best weapon for a lot of people. So from that perspective, people say join new monarchy. I certainly have most of most of the people we play with have. Okay. So, you know, uh, there's that. They also, they have two scout rifles, a hand cannon, and uh, I want to say an SMG as the, as the unique loot that they can drop. I also, like I said, think their, their loot looks the best or their, their armor looks the best. Okay. Um, I think ultimately the thing you actually want to do is go look at all their armor options and pick the, the armor set that you think looks the coolest. Oh, um, interesting. Cause I think that's actually the most important thing. Um, I also think that this is like, there's like, um, uh, th there's kind of like, uh, like there's some issues with the looting system. Like you can, uh, get 30 turn-ins during the week. Um, but there's no guarantee that you'll get all the pieces of the armor set. Right. Um, and past that 30, you'll, you'll only get like shaders, Obviously, there's some issues there, right? Like, you can pick them also again for your next faction rally, but that means that you also don't have the opportunity to grab the armor sets from the other factions because you can replenish gotcha. uh, each each faction rally. Um, uh, and, uh, oh, the other, the other big news with this is uh, there's uh, an exploit to farm faction tokens. Uh, oh, boy, that sounds bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and so, like, people have been, like, basically, you, you loot a box, and then you run up in this cave, and you run back. To the, it's a Lost Sector thing. Um, you could find an, an explanation somewhere if, if you So do you to. get tokens from ev everything now? Pretty much, ev pretty much okay. everything will give you faction rep tokens. But okay. the fastest way to do it is to, after you've done kind of, like, the big ones... Where like you you know you get like your 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 incidentals and kind of like your big faction reputation bundle for doing a certain thing, um, is you go to this place on the e or before you know before they patch it out guys, yeah. um, you go to this place on the EDZ and you farm tokens for a while. Well, um, I should actually say, I mean, even 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 if they don't patch it out, you could still be liable. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. No, if no. If you know it's an exploit, exploit, they might like fucking get mad yeah. at you. We do we do that. Um, yeah. Um. So historically. Bungie has not banned people for these exploits, but again, do it at okay. your own risk. Um, I, um, I basically farmed a hundred tokens and was like, this is probably within an, uh, it's not so excessive that somebody's going to be like, like really going to notice. Um, 
So who knows? Uh, I don't know. I also don't think that the rewards are so worth it that I need to do it. Like, I kind of, like, I saw it, I jumped on, and I was like, well, I should probably do it before they patch it out, and did it for a little while. I was like, well, what, what the fuck ever, and then went on with my life. Uh, but, you know, that's that's the faction rally. Um, it's okay. Like, I, I, it's not super exciting. I'm more excited to do raid this Friday or Saturday and make more progress on that because gotcha. uh, that was fun. Uh, yeah, so uh, you so you've said in the past that you don't like fusion rifles. What? Why don't you like fusion rifles? Uh, they just they're like they're like a. I I, I it's not like a, I I hate them. It's just kind of like they're like a a mid range weapon that don't seem particularly powerful to me. Right, um, I'd rather have something that's either like real powerful up close or like real powerful real long range. And so that's like rocket launchers, rocket launchers and sniper rifles on the long range, and uh, swords and shotguns on the short range. Although the more I play with shotguns, the more I dislike them um, as kind of a power weapon. Like, their range is really short. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and like, I, I very infrequently feel like... I Like, every time I use a shotgun, I feel like I should just be using a sword instead. Uh, which is kind of, I think, uh, 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 to its detriment. Um, yeah. Yeah, to me, mid-range weapons are supposed to be more... Uh, uh, are, are, are more for, like, my regular weapons. Um, and, uh... Actually, there's a fusion rifle that's a reward, I think, for a quest line on IO that kind of acts like a sniper rifle. And I really like that, because it acts like a sniper rifle. Um, but otherwise, I'm not, I'm not a not a huge fan. Interesting. I like fusion rifles a lot, actually. Uh, switching to a fusion rifle was one of the big things that helped me with bathers when we were doing the, um... Uh, when we were doing the Leviathan raid, uh, just like for, for, for context, bathers are these elite units that spawn, um, and kind of need to be soloed, uh, or, or, uh, like typically duoed, but sometimes you needed to solo them. And so a lot of the times you pull out a, you know, you pull out a power weapon to deal with the bathers. And I was using a sniper rifle, uh, which was pretty effective because it was kind of, it was basically easy to hit headshots, um, but the fusion rifle just allowed me to get off more shots because there was less setup between, you know what I mean, between each individual hit. Uh, and it was still pretty hit, easy to get precision shots with it. So, uh, yeah. That, so that, yeah. That's the other thing for me is, like, uh, the, there's so much kickback on the, the fusion rifle that I, I, I can't hit. Like, I find, like, getting headshots to be, like, uh, like, like near impossible. Yeah. I get, well, it was easy with the bathers because the bathers spawn right in front of you. And right. they have these big old heads. Uh, but I do agree with you, like... It would be harder to do it against other uh, I, I mean, even elites. W within the span of one fusion rifle shot, right? Like, it, it kind of, like, fires, like, three or... F usually fires three or four shots, and those yeah. have, like, a huge vertical spread on them. So if I aim yeah. at if I aim at the head, I'm going to miss the next three. So I'm better aiming at the chest and hoping to hit the head with, like, the last couple. Yeah, um, I, mean, I didn't have a I didn't have as much trouble hitting, like, all four or five shots yeah. against the bathers, but I think I would have, yeah. you know, like, you couldn't do that against a Hydra. Right, right, right. right. Or, like, a Servitor. Maybe. I feel that. Okay, um, I get it. Um, so, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just biased because it was so effective against the bathers. Yeah, um, I do have an exotic that's called the Merciless, um, which I do kind of like, which is it's, uh, it basically fires faster and faster, um, if, on, like, a non-lethal shot. So like it's great against bosses because they'll just start firing faster and fast. Like the charge up time gets down and down and down and down. Uh, so I do like the merciless, but um, 
And why I only like uh, just as a class weapon, they're not. Uh, I'm not a big fan of them. Neither am I a fan of like auto rifles or uh, pulse rifles. But you know. Oh really? I like pulse rifles a lot. Uh, auto rifles, I am less enthused by. Um, mostly because it seems like like precision shots are kind of the only way that you can kill things. I don't know. I, I have a much harder time. I feel like killing things with auto rifles, uh, especially auto rifles that have like a lot of spread on them. Um, because it's a lot harder to hit those precision shots compared to like, you know, a tight pulse rifle, uh, or a scout rifle. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel that. Um, yeah. Uh, the last thing I wanted to mention is, uh, oh wait, did we talk about this? Did we talk about BlizzCon? No, we didn't, right? No. Uh, so the last thing I wanted to mention before, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about some specific stuff. Um, but the thing I'm most interested for your sake um, is they are adding this roguelike mode to Hearthstone, right? Where you do like a, it's called a dungeon run, where you you go up against different PVE bosses, right? They have a whole big suite of like 50 bosses. They pull eight of them um, in different orders. Uh, if the if the boss is the first boss, it's easy. If it's the last boss, it's hard. Um, after each boss, you walk in, I think, with a pre-made deck um, okay. of ten cards. And um, but after each boss, you get some of that boss's quote unquote loot, which are like special cards that aren't available in like PvP contexts. You know what I mean? Um, uh, and and you slowly fill out your deck until your deck gets bigger and bigger with all of the quote unquote loot that you get, um, and uh, and so yeah, so it's kind of like a it's kind of like a Hearthstone roguelike. Um, how do you feel about this this kind of mode? Oh, it are sounds you, are you neat. Yeah, I'm definitely interested. Uh, it sounds it sounds really neat. I like the fact that it's kind of like you don't need to have a lot invested to get into it. Um, so I'll definitely check it out. But I don't I don't really have a ton of ton of deep thoughts on it. Um, but it it sounds cool. Okay, because I know you're a big fan of roguelikes, which is why I wanted to ask. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, some of the things that appeal to me about roguelikes don't like kind of like the the aspect of discovery and kind of like getting neat new things and new builds are a little bit here, but they're not in here as much as I kind of would would like them to be. Like a big part of what I like about roguelikes is just kind of like diving in without knowing everything about it and it's kind of discovering new things as you go and obviously and this might work for me for this game because i haven't been super paying attention to the like the latest expansions but in a general case i feel like a known card set does not have that, that kind of joy of discovery um but it still seems cool okay i mean do you think that you just like avoid that that card set and just be kind of be like, I'll just let it. You know uh, what I mean, like, I mean, I won't. I won't intentionally avoid it. I just, you know, I'll if I'm into if I'm into Hearthstone at the time, I'll just go with it. Um, but if I'm not, I'll probably like I will come out of not caring about Hearthstone enough to play it. If that makes sense. Okay. Um. But uh, if I am, if I already care about it, I, I won't. I won't like not care about it. Okay, sure. Uh, well, I guess that's time. Uh, um, there's a lot of other BlizzCon news, but I don't want to get into any of that while we're at like the super, super tail end of the podcast. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, in that case, you can email us about what you think of uh, roguelike card games or about Super Mario Odyssey or about uh, Thor Ragnarok at podcast at subdurbsplaygames.com or subdurbsplaygames at gmail.com. You watch us at twitch.tv slash subdurbsplaygames. You can find us on Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, leave us ratings, leave us comments. We love it all. Um, I think that's about it. Buddy, did you have anything else that you wanted to promote? I have 
Nothing else. I have nothing else that I am looking to promote. In that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs> <laughs>